Welcome to All Things Wolverines, a Wolverine sports podcast for the people, by the people. Enjoy expert analysis, entertaining discussion, and the pessimism of true Michigan fans. Get ready for All Things Wolverines. Welcome to All Things Wolverines. It is Brandon, Cousin Kyle, and Nate giving you all the insight expert analysis, recap, and pessimism for true Michigan Wolverines fans. And we're going to be talking some Michigan football uh, today. But let's start like we always do with our one big takeaway against this game against, uh, you know, number five Michigan at the time to number 10 Penn State, a battle of the, you know, unbeatens. Uh, What was your one big takeaway as Michigan trounced Penn State? Uh, what was that? 41 17. So Nate, get us in. <laughs> it's so nice on this end of things because it felt for years. We would, it was fun to watch someone else go through what I feel like Michigan fans have been through for 15 years, which was you go into a big game and you leave and all the insecurities and pessimism you had towards your team came true. Right. It's like watching the heads fall down on the sidelines of the senior leaders and the coaches on the Penn State staff, which was, uh, I knew it was true. I just didn't want to believe it. It was just nice to watch someone else have that experience. Um, I genuinely thought going into this game that we were better than Penn State. And they were much better than Penn State. Um, I felt weird being confident, being down 14 to 13. And I think I text you guys that. <laughs> and I was just like, I, it's been so dominant. I'm just like, I don't think we're we're fine. It's been two freaky plays. Um, but we were much better than they were. My biggest takeaway um, was that I genuinely believe, like I believed the Hoke era, owed Devin Gardner an apology for his well-being. I think the Penn State coaching staff needs to write a letter to prep school down that they did not protect Sean Clifford in his health because this poor man is now being called for his starting job. And I genuinely believe the only reason that was even a game was because of him. Um, so yeah, Devin Gardner was done badly by Michigan. That's just a fact. We all know it. And Sean Clifford, much the same way. And this child, uh, Aller who came in in the fourth quarter, get out while you can go to a place that believes in offensive line. And, uh, Hey, if you want to come to Michigan as a transfer, I'm okay with the competition, bring it over. Uh, we'd love to see what you can bring, but I think this team boys answered a lot of questions and we are much better than I think a top 15 team. I think Penn State is good enough to be ranked top 15. And it was a dominance from beginning to end. It was fun to see. Yeah, it it was fun to see um, most of the time. But, I mean, yeah, I think it was like, what, we had 18 first downs in the first half to Penn State's one, and the game was still close, so it was a little nervy. But uh, the truth is, is that our run game, my one big takeaway is our run game is dominant especially when JJ gives that look of being a QB read option sort of threat. Like it was like their, their team was didn't know what to do. And he only kept it a few times and had some decent, you know, gains, but they had to pay attention to it. And it was fun to see that wrinkle kind of finally in the offense. And then what did we see? We saw Edwards with 170 plus yards and he is all the way back from injury. Uh, we saw Corum with 160 some yards. 
Uh, the Wolverines rushed for 418 yards against the then number five run defense in the country. So hats off to our offensive line. It's looking better and better. Uh, the holes that they are creating, uh, uh, some of those like uh, still shot frames of the size of the holes that a, you know, a, a U-Haul truck could drive through, no problem. And then obviously we have incredible running backs and uh, it was a beautiful thing, but yeah, really solidified that our run game is, is very, very dominant, especially when JJ gives that little look of being an option threat. Cousin Kyle, what was your one big takeaway from the Penn State game? I think the biggest takeaway I had was that I think, you know, Jim Harbaugh has been here. This is, I think, his seventh season now. And that Stanford offense that he uh, used to have has finally been achieved at Michigan. I thought that Michigan Mm -hmm. really demonstrated just this perfect blend of being this punishing run game. Uh, You know, you think about Wisconsin for all those years with with Barry Alvarez and then Brett Bielema. Uh, and just the way that they could run down teams' throats. And Michigan can do that, but we're also this team that's able to spread the field, and we have a lot of moving parts of quite even space. Uh, and so I think that we are just very difficult to defend. The Michigan is, is very difficult to defend because you either have to you, – I mean, you kind of simultaneously have to have a lot of speed on defense, but also you have to be able to stand up to just the the size and the power of Michigan's offensive line. And obviously, you know, Penn State was not that. And uh, with J.J. McCarthy's running ability, his ability, I think, I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback who can, who can roll out like he does and throw a 30-yard dime. Uh, I think that was probably the only down, like, you know, real downfield completion for him uh, was that, that pass to Cornelius Johnson. Um, but I mean, that was, that was like a 30 yard time, uh, with him rolling out to his right. And I just don't know if, if there are a lot of teams out there that, that can defend that as long as he's able to not trip over himself or an offensive lineman, as he's trying to roll out and make that throw. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be pretty impossible to defend. I like the rational part of my brain understood that, that Penn state just was not able to hang with Michigan. So that was, that was my big takeaway. Now, as we get into, we've all kind of alluded to it a little bit and, you know, it wasn't the pessimism didn't stay there the entire game, but what was that pessimistic Michigan moment for you, Nate? Um, I think we all had a little bit different perspectives on that in real time during the game, but what was your pessimistic moment? Yeah. um, Weirdly, I don't have a pessimistic moment. Just, I would, I would define it as an unknown. I feel like a lot of things got answered this past week. Now, again, week to week, anything can happen. If you're on the road, somebody gets injured, so many things, right? But the unknown still remains true is can JJ take over? Um, As we play better teams, better defenses, we laugh at Rutgers, but they do run an efficient defense. We laugh at Illinois. I'm actually going to put them in the good team category. And then we play Ohio State, who was an improved defense from last year. Um, if they put eight, nine in the box and know how to defend a tight end, can we actually have JJ take over a game? Um, are we Georgia from last year? Is JJ mm. um, uh, Stetson Bennett, where he just has to be good. He never has to be great. He never has to take over a game. I'm mm. not saying our defense is on that level. 
Okay, that was historic. That was ridiculous. But yeah, are we a little bit of Georgia where there's just good players at every position and JJ just has to be Stetson Bennett? If so, I'm fine with that because he's only a redshirt freshman. But that's the one unknown I still have, which is can he take over if he has to? Yeah, I think that there was pessimism for me. Um, we were getting stopped consistently in the red zone, which is just feels so Michigan. It just feels so Michigan. Um, and obviously, you know, we were, we were dominating, but it just felt like, gosh, is Penn state just going to get away with one here? Are they going to start believing, you know, after, you know, as they move into the second half that JJ pick six, um, was devastating. Um, and could, then, could have been a second one, by the way. Yeah, there could have been a second one. And, 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 it, and it was one of those moments. It, it was one of those plays where you're like, oh, he is forcing it. And this could cost us. Um, so it was a bad play by him. It wasn't like, oh, the receiver did. No, it was a bad decision. Um, we were losing the game with 12 minutes left in the third quarter. And it felt weird, but we were so in control. But it felt like, you know what? We might just lose one. We might just lose one here um, somehow, some way. And then you see um, Clifford before he was subbed out. So uh, James Franklin could have somebody to blame. But like he had that big run and it was just like, ah, okay, what's going to happen here? So I would say, you know, a little bit between that second quarter, beginning of the third. And then once we took the lead, it was like, okay, we're going to break Penn State's will completely here. And, uh, and, and, and we did. So, but definitely still had my Michigan pessim- pessimism with me uh, during the middle of that game. Cousin Kyle, how about for you? What was your pessimistic Michigan moment? Yeah, I think everyone seeing the graphic um, after that, that pick six that showed Michigan's dominance, they had 40 plays, had gained 229 yards, had uh, 14 first downs. Penn State only had 13 plays, 84 yards, one first down, but the score was 14 to 13. And so, you know, your pessimism brain is screaming like, this is how we lose. You know, we're dominating, uh, but but dumb things are happening. This is how a dumb team like Penn State pulls out uh, a victory. I'm actually reminded last year of after the Nebraska game, in his post-game interview basically said, Hey, listen, no disrespect to past Michigan teams, but let's be real. Like, I think we lose this game uh, with with some teams in the past. And we showed that we had the mental toughness. And I do think it was good for Michigan, as annoying as it was, not that they did it on purpose, but to still deal with some adversity like this, a top 10 team at home. They take the lead 17 to 16 again at the first drive of the of the start of the second half. And then it's like, okay, we need to, we need to kick this into gear. And then boom, all of a sudden you get a huge Donovan Edwards touchdown run. You stop Penn state on fourth down on, and that was a scary play because they had it. They, mm-hmm. they really did have, I mean, Sean Clifford to Nate's point earlier drops just a, a I think maybe not an absolutely perfect pass, but is, is probably as good of a pass as you can expect. It was a good ball. Yeah. And, and, and the Penn state wide receiver is reaching out. I mean, Mike, Sanders still is playing coverage. He's positioned in a way that makes it have to be this perfect play that doesn't uh, pan out for Penn State. 
So we stop that. And then the immediate next play is the Blake Quorum touchdown run and it's game over. So again, like Nate, like I, I think if you're, especially after the fact you can look back and say yeah it's pretty obvious this game was going to be a win for Michigan but in that moment it was just like yeah all the all the angst of of past teams that that would have folded that would have given in and felt sorry for themselves it's nice to see that two years in a row now this is a team that's not doing that yeah yeah what's your overanalyze what's your give us your expert analysis Nate what, what are some of the things that you were, you're paying attention to, you're watching back? Obviously, you know, we've got the bye week. So there's a little time to catch up on some patterns and habits and things and do the deep dives that we're seeing with this uh, Michigan team. So give us a little overanalyze, Nate. Yeah, well, going into this game, we know Maryland has talent, um, but this is clearly, Penn State has proven time and time again, James Franklin is a great recruiter. He just is. He gets a lot of really talented skill position players, which is why they're such an annoying team. Cause we know we've outcoached them, but they had like Saquon Barkley's um, a bunch of talented players. Like that. even Trace McSorley was a good college quarterback. I think like we've said, I think Sean Clifford's a good college quarterback and coming into this game, they've got a few NFL wide receivers, this true freshman running back, which I brought up last week. I was a little worried about, um, I want to know why is our defense playing so well? Are they better than last year? Is it possible? So <laughs> what you've noticed is a lot of blitzes didn't really happen. Um, what they've done is they've run this defense. I read this out of uh, Bill or Michael Lombardi's book called Gridiron Genius. He was the GM for Bill Belichick in the early Patriots days. And he was also a GM for Bill Walsh with 80 uh, Niners team. And uh, something that he writes about is this defense that Nick Saban actually created called the All-22, um, which is just keeping everything in front of you, having four defenders in the front line, and they never stay out of their lanes, which means they keep contain, and that it disallows someone like a Sean Clifford who's so good on the run to scramble and get extra yards and create extra lanes for very extra special um, talented players that they've got on the edge. So what that did is it just allowed the front four to dominate, which is what they did outside of their left tackle, who was going to be drafted in the NFL, but everyone else was owning their guy. And so the back seven was able to just cover everything that really was available. Again, Sean Clifford had to hit some dimes. Um, that long hit that he had on DJ Turner to start the second half was a perfect pass. DJ Turner couldn't have defended that even any better. But what they did because of those lanes that they kept in the defensive line, Sean Clifford could not scramble for extra yards, get other receivers open. And so because of that, we look like a team that's stifling talented teams, talented offensive play callers. And due to that, I think they are better than last year's team. I think Minner is a really good defensive coordinator. I think we do have the depth up front. I didn't really even notice Mason Graham this week because I don't even think Penn State ran that many plays. So it's just wild to think that, but I really think that's true. And they're running that exact defense, which means you play with the lead, you keep it in front of you. And outside of that one misidentifying run with Sean Clifford getting a long run, I mean, it was all us. So that's what I saw. I think they're running that exact defense. And if you're going to copy somebody, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, good people to copy from on defense. Mm. Wow. That's a, that's a well right there. Um, and that defense is performing. I mean, they just are. I mean, they held a the number 10 team in the country at the time. We can debate if Penn State should be should be there or not. 
they held them to one first down in the first half. Like that is nuts. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the defense has definitely been the the quality and the level, and with the D coordinator change and all that, has been a at a level that is just surprising how how solid they've been. The surprise for me, so many good things from this game. Okay, so hear me out. Not being pessimistic, like we destroyed Penn State. We should have probably had like 55, 60 points in this game. The surprise was no catches for the tight ends at all in this game. So Schoon has been awesome. Nate talked about that last week. He had nine catches versus IU. He had four versus Iowa. He had seven versus Maryland. And he's made some wonderful plays and has stepped in valiantly for Eric all. Like we haven't really noticed the drop off, but um, obviously our run game was dominant, but there were times where JJ was not clicking in the pass game. Um, JJ had 145 yards passing. And I wonder if the tight ends are such a big part of him getting going, right? Getting that confidence even some of that, some of those rollouts, those mobilities of like those 30 yard throws, we did see some of that stuff. Um, but I feel like for him getting, getting that confidence, getting moving, getting kind of into his flow in the game. And I, and I also, you know, it worries me because I feel like our tight ends can be useful to us in the red zone. And so where I, we really notice this is, you know, you want those big targets in the red zone, Obviously, some of our big playmakers like Roman Wilson, Ronnie Bell, aren't the biggest targets. And and so I'm like, how do we get him flowing with the tight ends early and often so that there's comfort in the red zone, right? Uh, we got to get tight ends, tight ends the ball. And obviously, um, you know, the, the, the freshman tight end, Loveland, right? He had a catch that was called back, right? But... Um, but yeah, statistically no catches for the tight ends. We're stalling in the red zone. It seems like that's a pretty, uh, something we can improve on. And I, I worry about that for some, you know, some games where we get, you know, the defense is being tough in the red zone, like Penn state was. And, you know, y- you can see this game was evidence in that first half of what can happen with one or two weird or big plays for the other team when you're just kicking field goals. And it, it, you know, it can get you into a little bit of trouble. So that was that was something interesting for me to see how we bounce back with that against uh, Mi- Michigan State. And I hope our tight ends, I hope Eric All is back and we our tight ends catch 20 passes in that game. Cousin Kyle, uh, what are you analyzing and overanalyzing from this game? Yeah, I think just to your point, um, there was more passing to Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards in this game. So I think, I don't know if it was something that, Penn State was doing specifically to take away ends that then in turn made um, the running backs more open. I, I'm thinking particularly of, I think it was like that, it was a third and 12 play maybe where uh, Donovan Edwards leaks out of the backfield and JJ is able to hit him because uh, King, the cornerback, runs with Schoonmaker. And so you got two guys running with Schoonmaker down the seam and you have Edwards open in the flat. And and that was a a big completion to get a first down. But um, so this morning, actually, I was reading um, Nick Baumgartner 
on the athletic has a, a really fascinating article that he put out about basically what I had said earlier, which I'm totally stealing from him. Uh, so please go read his, his article. Uh, but it's, it's again, this, this Stanford offense uh, that's been modernized for Michigan that, that it seems like Jim Harbaugh's finally uh, really able to have at full capacity. Uh, the death star is, is sort of full that um you know michigan's line is is so big but they're also so athletic and the pooling concepts especially the 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 double pool of the of the center and the guard and all of a teamy uh and i think maybe that was zinter when they pull to spring donovan edwards open on that touchdown i mean that is and, and nate is certainly more of the offensive uh line guru than me but like that was um that's a family podcast but but that was exciting <laughs> you know that, that when i saw that live i was like oh my goodness like that is uh that's just a great play that's a great concept and and how do you you know defend against that uh consistently uh, and i just don't know how many teams in the big 10 are are designed to stop that kind of rushing threat um that you see michigan have and i think it'll be fascinating you know i forget ourselves but, but like the michigan game uh that is going to be like an old school running back battle uh in the big 10 and, and it's hilarious that we're talking about illinois being that but um yeah i, I just think that that their their concepts especially with JJ as a running threat, even if it's only three times a game. And he had a, a this jet sweep fake that uh, Baumgartner talked about being a play that, that Urban Meyer actually used to use with, um, I think it was JT Barrett. Uh, and, and like to see Michigan be able to use that concept is really exciting because again, you don't need to use JJ that often, but the fact that JJ is this threat is able to then spring Corm and Edwards into uh, those secondary levels of the defense because the linebackers are freezing, the cornerback safeties are freezing. They're thinking about, do we go with JJ? Do we go with, and by that point, by the time you make, even if you take a second to make that, that decision, I mean, Blake Corum and Edwards. So it's, it's great. So Penn state had a, I think a great secondary to, to Brandon's point as well of like sort of the passing game seeming to stall out. And I think obviously once you get 418 yards of, of rushing offense, yeah, you know, JJ doesn't need to throw it that much. And, and that's a great pounding. I think next week we want to see a lot more passing, uh, not just because, you know, we want to destroy Michigan state, but I also, I want to see Andre Anthony uh, get a couple of touchdown passes against his hometown team. I want to see, Cornelius Johnson get into it. I want to see Roman Wilson, which thankfully he was back. There was a play that he got a, it was like a second and eight. <laughs> the safety was like 15 yards off of him. And that's what Roman Wilson brings to the, to the table. So anyway, I think that the offense is really exciting, even though it's, it's exciting in a non-traditional way or even an traditional way you want to look at. Um, but yeah, I think it's, uh, it, it, it's it's a lot of fun to watch yeah yeah well as we move into our all things wolverines awards or atw awards of the week 
Nate, who's the uh, unsung hero this week? Lots, lots of opportunities, lots of people to pick from, lots of people succeeding. What'd you see? So many opportunities, so many people. Um, before I, I do want to, I think I was wearing a little too rose-colored glasses. There is one play that did make me a pessimist. And Kyle reminded me of it because of how well the line did block. Um, the tight ends on the sweep to the right. Um, JJ should have had a long touchdown. They ended up getting a touchdown on the drive, but our first touchdown. Bredesen and Schoonmaker both whiffed on the safety, and it was a walk-in touchdown, and it was beautiful, but um, the tight ends did show up in the stat sheet for blocking, and it was F-minus on that play. But, you know, they were great every day else, everything else. On the other stream of the... I could give it to Keegan, Oluwatimi, and Zinter because Keegan specifically swallowed souls wholly and uh, also recovered the fumble that Donovan Edwards had not because I was worried we would have lost the game, but it just would have made the game look a lot tighter than it actually was, as was the experience in the first half. And I was like, oh, crap, here we go again. Would but it didn't Joe happen. Tiller special. Joe Tiller special. Oh, That's my right. goodness. Yeah, make Purdue the, finding ways to lose. Finding a lot closer than it actually is. <laughs> Losing with dignity, which is in two weeks. Um, my unsung hero goes to the director of strength and conditioning, Ben Herbert. At this point... Um, he got hired from Arkansas with Burt Berlama and, uh, he was at Wisconsin when they just had a different offensive lineman drafted in the first round every single year. I think now that we've had a team go completely from beginning to end through this, we are living in the vast fruits that have been produced from the strength and conditioning coach and her got when he was at Arkansas mind you when the, they were terrible with Brett Bielema while they were there they had the fourth highest number of NFL draft picks picked from Arkansas we are on the Bruce Feldman's freaks list every single year there's something that this man has been doing that I don't know what his salary is I would bump that up um, because clearly what he's done our offensive line to what Kyle had shared it really does remind you of the senior the last year that Harbaugh had at Stanford and the first year when David Shaw seemed like a very good coach mm -hmm. um, at Stanford, but we're just understanding why that was the case. Um, clearly we're dominant on both sides of the line and clearly this man has a heck of a lot to do with that. So unsung hero, Ben Herbert, thanks for all you do. You're excellent. We, we see you, we acknowledge you and we thank you for making us giants that are destroying people on the offensive and defensive fronts. Wow. What a unsung hero recognition, but I mean, you even see it in, uh, you seen Blake Corum, you know, like there was a run where his butt cheek hit a Penn state guy's helmet. And, you know, thankfully I don't think he got a concussion or anything, but it, it, it hit him, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, the boys are putting in work in the off season. Thanks to him and, uh, keeping them healthy throughout. Uh, first for me, for, you know, the ATW special teamer of the week. First shout out goes to the Michigan offense, even though I wasn't pleased with all the field goals. Uh, Brad Robbins did not have to punt all game, right? He did not have to punt at all. Um, got to save his leg a little bit and uh, watch some football um, as one who punted. Sometimes those games, uh, it's kind of a catch 22 because you're like, I'd like to be out there helping the team, but you're also like, if I'm out there helping the team, it means we're not doing a very good job. So uh, good on good on Brad Robbins for keeping that bench real warm. Um, 
secondly, the the winner of of the award this week will go to Jake Moody. Um, once again, would much rather see touchdowns than field goals, and they were all short field goals, which is frustrating. But it is good to see that accuracy as the, the, the temperatures get a little cooler, as the breeze picks up, sometimes those sharp angles, uh, four field goals, and a big tackle on a kickoff. And it was the first of the, the senior's uh, college career, his first tackle. And normally, I, I haven't watched all the film, but normally he's not, you know, some kickers really like to get down the field and kind of get in the mix. A lot of guys, your coach to kind of stay back and, you know, take away the sideline. He was running down that field. I mean, he was hyped up, and he he made a nice. He looked, you know, channeled his inner Pat McAfee, and for the brand, made a nice tackle. So Jake Moody for the field goals and the big tackle for the ATW Special Teamer of the Week, cousin Kyle. Moody. Did you hear that? The crowd I, went crazy. They loved it. Moody. They loved it. Great. Michigan loves a good kicker. We've had some good ones, but Michigan fans. Love and appreciate a good kicker because there have been times where we've had very bad ones as well, <laughs> and and uh, and and the and the fans can kind of turn turn on, on on that as well. So it was good to see the love for for Moody, cousin Kyle. What was the big mistake of the week? Big mistake of the week in the Big Ten goes to the Wisconsin running back Braylon Allen, who fumbled. <laughs> On the very first play of the second overtime drive, which Wisconsin started with, so they they uh, got the ball second and first overtimes. They get the ball first and second overtime. He fumbles immediately, which led to a 27-yard touchdown pass from Peyton Thorne on third and 12, securing a victory for the fighting NF Tucks. That uh, was the, the kind of... <laughs> Typically, Michigan State only connect on against Michigan, which means that it was a prayer that really had no business being completed, and it was. Uh, and so maybe maybe they use a little bit of their special Super Bowl magic uh, against Wisconsin to pull out that victory. I think this was their first Power 5 win of the season. Yeah. So congratulations to our Spartan friends in East Lansing. And probably only East Lansing, because I don't know if anyone actually roots for Michigan State outside of Michigan State. But they do, they do not. So that that was our big mistake of the week. Poor, poor uh, Coach Leonard dropping his first game as interim head coach. It is weird seeing Wisconsin not be like a competent team. Like they have even amidst, you know, I know that they haven't always been like Rose Bowl, Wisconsin, but like. They're usually really good in the trenches, and you've just seen them getting just pushed around. It's very odd. Um, so yeah, the the three and four, the now three and four Michigan State Spartans, who are also on a bye week, um, as we head into the Michigan Michigan State game coming up on not this weekend, but the following weekend, October 29th. Let's go. We're on to Michigan State. Um, we're a week early, but let's give those previews and predictions. Kind of what are you what are you seeing? What are you feeling, Nate, about this uh, upcoming matchup? Yeah, I'm trying to look at this just as a football fan, and just as a football fan, it feels very lopsided. Um, Michigan State got walloped by a few teams that are not nearly as talented as we are. Um, Minnesota can run the ball, 
and we got a little preview of that. They ran it down Michigan State's throat. I think we're going to be the exact same way. The only way it's competitive is if Michigan experiences, and we didn't talk about this, but Harbaugh feels that Penn State was marking on our offensive line, which is why they were false starting in the second half. I feel like Michigan State's going to have to do that to compete and draw some really ridiculous penalties. We were also a little undisciplined at the end, so we just have to lock it in, get it together, instead of drifting back to like the 2019-2018 season where we led, I think we led the Big Ten in penalty yards. So we can't do that. But the truth of the matter is that Kenny Walker the third is not walking through that door. They don't have a replacement. They do have a couple of good receivers, but that's just Sparty always has good receivers, but I feel confident in what we have. I feel even more confident that Mel Tucker um, had one winning season as a coach and it's not going to be this year. Um, and that I'm predicting the game to be 56 to 14. So that's my Michigan prediction. winning, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, has Michigan State scored 56 points combined this year? No. So, yeah, that's that's my prediction. Uh, I'm going to, I think this team's the most talented team I've seen since my childhood. So, that's, I believe it. I'm putting Put it, it out there. there. Let's go see there. it. You know what's um, crazy? Michigan State was 11-2 and two last year. Michigan State was 11-2 and two last year. Mm-hmm. Only losing in their season to Purdue and Ohio State. Um, here's what I'll say. Growing up, Michigan, Michigan State was always fun. Um, because especially when you know Michigan was was winning. But the truth is, is we've only we've only won four out of the last ten or out of the last fourteen. Four out of the last 14. JJ lost us this game last year. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. He lost us the game. Two fumbles in the 37-33 loss. One while we were like basically in the end zone. Like we were about to score. I think this is a JJ redemption game. Um, Michigan State defense has given up an average of 528 and a half yards per game during its... During its, you know, previously current, you know, previously four game losing streak, um, before they, you know, pulled it out against uh, Wisconsin, um, this included a game in which they only had seven rushing yards on nineteen carries versus Ohio State, who Ohio State's good, but their defense is not great this year. Okay. Um, what's interesting is it'll be interesting to see if Michigan State progresses in any areas. Um, or if Tuck just loses the locker room completely um, as they try to get out of their self-proclaimed deep end, they are in it deep. Uh, we are better than them. We have more talent. We have better coaching. But by golly, this game always just gets weird. Um, my prediction, though, is Michigan wins, gets through the, a couple of weird moments, probably in the second quarter. And you know it's at it's at home. People are going to be going nuts. Michigan wins thirty eight twenty. Cousin Kyle, like on to Michigan State. What are your previews and predictions as we wrap up? Well, I said we would be annoyed against IU, and obviously we were at least for the first half. Very annoyed. 
friends, let me just tell you, you need to prepare to be even more annoyed against Michigan State. And that's mainly because we want to see them uh, lose, right, 76 to nothing to Michigan. I think talent-wise, scheme-wise, coaching-wise, that is what the result should be approximately or more close to what Nate had said, right, 56 to 14, something along those lines. And I just don't think we're going to see that. Um, I would love to see something like 2019 when I think the score was like 46 to to 14 or something along those lines. But I just thought uh, Michigan State will lose four games in a given year just to save things for the Michigan game, right? Like they will not pull out. <laughs> they, will, they will sacrifice a game to Northwestern uh, or Maryland and and just say you well nope we're gonna we're gonna hang on to this 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 touchdown package play that we have because we're saving that for michigan and um i think that you you saw that back in 2016 uh when michigan had a very dominant defense michigan state wasn't very good uh that game was that was that game was not nearly as close as the final score said it was but it was still an annoying game i think they're going to try and hurt our players uh, there definitely always is some dirty, dirty play, especially from the Michigan State side of things. We didn't even take the opportunity to make fun of the uh, one-sided food fight that took place in the Lloyd Carr tunnel. Right. Uh, prayers for James Franklin. I hope that he's not suffering from any sort of psychological hurt from that. Um, I'm sure his his insurance copay will cover his uh his counseling that he'll need. Well, and and also the fact that it was Penn state was blocking Michigan and no team has ever dared to do that in the history of that tunnel. So it's never been an issue frames and it probably never will be again. And we've played pretty, you know, Michigan state's been in that tunnel, Ohio state's been in that tunnel and nobody's dared to do that. So uh, I think that was his tactic to, to get his boys pumping. And then Michigan state was like, really? You just threw a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at my face. We're going to run for 400 yards against you and not let you score any more points. Yeah. You said Michigan State. You meant Michigan. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, I I, I, I could see maybe uh, maybe Michigan State wants to try something like that. I hope not. Uh, although it seems like the last two, last two tunnel skirmishes have certainly ended very well for Michigan uh in the second half so anyway we'll be annoyed i don't think it'll be as as much of a pounding as i uh would like and michigan wins 28 to 17 love it love it all right well uh it's the bye week enjoy the rest of the big 10 slate i guess and um yeah we look we look forward we'll be back next week we'll have some some other fresh content for you as we ramp up for Michigan state and maybe take a look at some things going on in the rest of Michigan sports and maybe do a little basketball preview. I don't know. Um, So thanks for jumping in, tuning in with us on our recap of the game against Penn state. Uh, Yeah. Let's get ready. It's bye week. Let's get ready for Michigan state. Have a great week. Enjoy some big 10 football. This is all things Wolverines. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.